welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Bob Irving, voice of the Blue Bombers, stops by as we preview Stampeders at Blue Bombers, which airs Sunday at 6 here on CJOB. And then with the U.S. Open tennis tournament starting Monday, we'll preview the action with Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba coming up on the podcast. We turn our attention to the Stampeders and Bombers, and we welcome in Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers. Bob, if you had a putt for 59 like Bryson DeChambeau did today, he missed the cup. Where would you put it? Yeah, I don't know. I understand. I didn't see it, Christian. I understand it was about a six-footer that he yes. had for a 59. Oh, my goodness. That didn't would touch be... the cup. Yeah, so you shoot 60, and yet you'd walk off the course very disappointed, wouldn't you? Thinking, man, oh, man, I had a chance to make history. And history, I know there have been some 59s, a handful shot, but, uh, boy, to shoot 59, that's something that very few guys would do in their career. Mm-hmm. Well, it's only been done. I believe a dozen times yeah. in the PGA Tour, most of them in the last 10 years, and it would have been on a par 72 course as well, right. so even yeah. more special. But uh, anyway, let's talk football and uh, yeah. the Bombers and Stamps. Uh, Andrew Harris is did not practice today. He was limited earlier in the week. We should uh, take that to mean he will not play on Sunday? Well, he was on the field with a baseball cap on today. He was out there for the entire practice, but, uh, yeah, I mean, unless they, you know, stun us uh, on the weekend, it looks like, He's going to take another week off and uh, make sure that he's fully ready to play when the Bombers go to Regina for the start of that back-to-back with the Saskatchewan Roughriders. And, you know, we're all anxiously awaiting the return of Andrew Harris and the Bombers. You and I have talked about this, Christian. They miss him. There's no question about it. He brings more than just his skills. Uh, He brings a lot. He brings uh, confidence, and it, it spreads throughout the team. And so, you know, his return will... We'll give the club when it happens. We'll give we'll give them a tremendous lift. But uh, they, you know, they're going to have to carry on without Andrew Harris. It looks like at least for another game. And the run game has been stifled. Maybe we should just chalk it up to Toronto's line is just good. Well, yeah, I think sometimes we we really focus so much on the team that we're covering Christian and paying attention to, and we say, well, they couldn't do this. What what's wrong? They didn't do that. They must they must have been flawed. Well, to a degree, that's true, and I know that's how the Bombers look at it, but indeed, the the Argos look pretty good, and it's a shame we didn't get to see them again last night play Edmonton, but in the two games they played against the Bombers, they showed a very strong defensive front, and uh, obviously, you know, a strong effort to stop the Bomber run game, and they sure did. They threw some defensive looks at the Bombers that had uh, Winnipeg's offense really sort of uh, befuddled, and so, yeah, the Argos look pretty good. Now, the Bombers didn't play to their level, I don't think. At least they feel that way, and I agree with them, and the coaches have said that all week, that they have to raise their level. And they talked about this physicality all week, Christian, and, you know, it's as much a mindset. Richie Hall said uh, earlier this week, it's as much a mindset as anything because you go out there to play football at this level, you you know it's going to be physical. But you've got to just, you know, ratchet it up a little bit and, uh they want to see the the guys on the offensive and defensive lines just have a little more force, a little more drive in their play, and that will, in their view, turn things around, and I think they're absolutely right. And looking at the injury report, for the most part, it's going to be the same defense to, on Sunday that was playing against the Argonauts, right? Same kind of, it's like Rockamore is still out, Wilson is still out, and but uh, Alden Darby could be in. Well, Alden Darby's going to play the dime, yeah. 
which is the position that Mercy Maston played so well at the end of last year. And that was an injury that we probably haven't talked enough about. He really did a great job there at the end of last year, both on the pass and the run. So they've had the Mike Jones in there for the last couple of games, Christian, but they're going to play Alden Darby there for good parts of the game on Sunday. And they'll move Mike Jones back to the corner where he'll replace young Josh Miller, who had a real tough time in the last couple of games. So I think that's a positive move. First of all, getting Jones back on the corner makes them better. And Alden Darby's a three-year vet. He started 40 games in his time with the Argos, and he should bring something that uh, that is positive. You know, we talked to him today, and I don't know if you ran the audio or not yet, but uh, yeah, he, he just said, hey, I've played all over the back defensive backfield, and uh, I know all the positions, and I'm not worried. I, I'm ready to go. So I think this could be a very positive mood, move rather for that back end and for that dime position. The one thing that stood out for me on the injury report, Bob, is Tyler Carpina was uh, listed as DNP hamstring. What's, what's yeah. the deal with that? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how he is on Sunday. Uh, you know, Mark Leggio is very capable of kicking field goals. He has a stronger leg. We know his career, he was up near 90% on his field goals. So it's not like, you, you know, you're left without a kicker if Carpina can't go. I think they'll still go with Crepinia if he's if he's ready to go, but uh, it's a great position to be in. If he can't, then you've got a guy, you know, who's very accomplished field goal kicker, not at the CFL level, and he had a, a training camp that prompted them to bring Crepinia in because he was a little bit erratic in the early going. But I still think Legio has a lot of upside as a place kicker, and uh, depending on Crepinia's health on Sunday, he might get his chance. I thought it was funny when uh, Liam Hiralahu was uh, waived by the Cowboys a few days ago. All the comments were, bring him back to the Bombers, bring him back to the Bombers. And it's like, they got two kickers here. That's, that's not going to happen. No. Well, no. And Liram's probably going to still try to seek out an NFL shot. Uh, you know, the kickers are a dime a dozen down there. And if somebody misses a couple in a game, they cut him and bring another guy in. So Liram might get another chance. But... Mike O'Shea believes in these kickers, believe it or not. You know, Crepinia does have, and he's played, you know, three years. He does have an 85% completion ratio, which can't be ignored. And Legio was a draft pick, had a terrific college career, has a very strong leg, and looks like he could be a very good kicker in this league. So I know Mike uh, O'Shea used the word patience, and I think that's in short supply with uh, a lot of the fans but Mike has been very patient in the past with some players knowing that they have certain abilities and shouldn't be written off and I think that's the way he looks at these kickers in particular Legio who uh, again has, has the better leg and that is certainly something that uh, is an asset for a kicker obviously. Oh, we always knew that whenever Justin Medlock called it a career, his shoes were going to be nearly impossible to fill. The market here has been blessed with a guy that's been as automatic as just about anybody had the distance, and they got the ball in field goal range so often. He kicked so many field goals. That's another thing we haven't seen this year so much either. They're not they're not really even attempting field goals. Capini's only had five attempts through three games. Well, that's right. And, you know, there was a couple in that first game where they had a chance to kick uh, 47, 48, and 52 yarders, I think, were the distance. But the Bombers in that game in Toronto last weekend, they weren't in position to kick field goals very often. And the ones they did were in position. Kerpina missed, as we all know. But they just haven't moved the ball uh, in the last game and a half as well as they'd like and into a position where your field goal kicker, you know, can have five or six cracks. So I think they have to, that's one of the, 
focuses in practice and the talk this week was they've got to stay on the field. You know, as you know, they went a quarter and a half to start that Toronto game without making a first down. And you can't get into your offense and your playbook if you're off the field two and out all the time. So one of the priorities on Sunday night is to make a first down, make another first down. Now you can run a couple more plays and you can maybe throw something at the, the other team that you've been practicing all week, but you haven't had a chance to use yet and on and on it goes. So that's one of the things they're looking for on offense on Sunday night. Well, the flip side of that is the defense was just on the field the whole time, and you could see that they were getting tired, and the defense will be tasked with stopping Jake Meyer in his second career start on Sunday. What did you think of the debut of Meyer last week against Montreal? Well, it was impressive. I watched the game, of course, and at the start, you know, the kid throws a couple of picks, and you think, "Uh uh-oh, boy, Calgary's in big trouble. And at the end of the night, he's got 306 passing yards. Man, did he show some poise, Christian. That was very impressive for a guy making his first pro start. Now, uh, what will he do in his second pro start in a hostile environment? And the Stampeders have played their first three games at home in a hostile environment where the fans will make noise and make it challenging for them. The Stampeders practiced with noise this week, which they don't always do, but they do when they're coming here because they know it's going to be an issue. Bo Levi Mitchell handled it very well, but uh, that's an entirely different story with Jake Mayer. So, That'll be, I think, a big challenge for him beyond playing against a defense that's going to give him a lot of different looks and uh, has two of the best defensive ends in the league. He's going to have to deal with that noise thing, too. So, yeah, I think uh, Mr. Mayer will get a real good test of where he's at now in Game 2. And with so many of the former Stamps now in Toronto, it seems, what do you think of their skill group now? Well, Kamar Jordan is still a very good receiver. Uh, You know, he's just been plagued by injuries in his career, but he's back and he's played pretty well. Markeith Ambles has really stepped up, and he's been with them for three years now and is really getting a full chance. I think Josh Huff is a good wideout. He's got 13 passes for 214 yards in the first three games, and Herge Maiella, a Canadian, was a top draft pick. So I think their receivers are pretty good, and I like their running back, Kadeem Carey. You know, he's a big, strong, powerful guy. Their offensive line has been an issue this year. They've had lots of changes there, lots of injuries, and that's been a problem for them. But I think their skill group is pretty good, Christian. And what about defensively? They lose 23-20 to the Argos, 15-9 to the Lions in a game that Bo Levi Mitchell is playing on a broken leg. And uh, you almost have to throw the result out in that one. And then they give up 22 to the Alouettes last week. Uh, A solid unit, maybe not spectacular. Yeah, I would say so. They got big Mike Rose and Derek Wigan inside. Their tackles are really good. Now, they got some injuries on the outside position. Sean Lemon is going to draw in in this game, the 10 year vet who was cut earlier. He gets cut by everybody, uh, but bounces back. He's been with in this order Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Calgary, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Toronto, BC, Toronto, BC, Calgary. Uh, and each time he changed teams, he was cut so or, or moved on as a free agent, but often he was released. So. Uh, he'll be back in there. He's got 70 career sacks, so he can get after the quarterback. Uh, their linebackers, a rookie, Darnell Sankey's the middle. He's the leading tackler on the team. Jameer Thurman is a terrific outside linebacker. And their secondary's pretty good. They've got, uh, you know, Royce Mechie, a Canadian at safety. He's really good. They signed Richard Leonard as a free agent from Hamilton. He's good. Uh, Deshaun Amos on the corner is very good. So I think their defense is, you know, it's pretty solid. I, I don't know if it's You'd call it a powerful or, you know, a real top-rate defense, one of the best in the league. But there's nothing wrong with it, I would say.
So what are you expecting Sunday night from this game? Well, I expect the Bombers to come up with a big performance. I really do. I, I think Jake Mayer uh, is going to struggle because of the surroundings and the Bomber defense. That would be my guess is that the Bombers will come up defensively. And they're, I think the Bombers are a little wounded on both offense and defense in terms of how they've been playing and what people have been saying about them and what the coaches have said to them. I, you heard that quote from Richie Hall the other day where he said, we blanked the bed. <laughs> You know, which is, you know, all of us who were on that Zoom call went, holy smokes, Richie's he's pretty upset with his defense. So that message has gotten across, and I think it's a game for the Bombers to win. You know, IG Field, when it first opened, we all thought it would be a great advantage for them, but it wasn't. But they've won 11 of their last 12 games at home, Christian. And so I, th- I think this gives them a real edge in that game on Sunday night. And uh, I-, I look for a Bomber victory. Well, and Calgary owned the Bombers forever. Oh, yeah. But for the last time. two, the last two times out, though, they're yeah. pretty big victories. Well, they won 10 of the last 15, Calgary has, but the Bombers have turned that around, and they've won, uh, what is it, three of the last four, I think. So, uh, you know, they've evened things up a little bit, and Bo Levi was a huge part of that winning streak, and that's when Calgary was rolling off 12 and 13 wins a season. So, they're not quite the same Stampeders, but hey, they are the Stampeders, and we can never sell them short. It's a great organization. You know, we've I've watched their games this year, and they're very competitive. This is still a good football team that has to be respected by everybody, and it certainly is by the Bombers. But on Sunday night, uh, I think the Bombers can prevail. And finally, Bob, just correct me if I'm wrong. There aren't usually Sunday evening games in the summer, are there? No, this is very rare. Uh, Wade Miller told me today it's a product of the complications involved in the scheduling given COVID and the 14 games and the late start and all the rest of it. And it's just the way it worked out. And, and, you know, that's the easiest way to say it. It's not a game that the Bombers would necessarily choose to play a Sunday night game. Uh, and, And I think, you know, the weather has hurt them this week. If you've been lived in Winnipeg as long as I have, there's a couple of things that go into what size of crowd you can have. One of them is who you're playing, and Calgary is a decent draw. Number two is the weather. And so if it rains all week like it has this week, people just don't buy tickets. And so the crowd's not going to be, I don't think, what we all would expect or maybe hope it would be, and I would blame that on the weather. But, uh, yeah, it's still going to be a fun night. They'll have 20-some thousand there, and they'll be loud and having a great time. And I think the weather's going to be pretty good on Sunday night. So it'll be great. Uh, two games with Calgary this year, and they're going to be huge starting on Sunday night. All right, Bob, appreciate your time as always. We'll see you at the game on Sunday. Okay, Christian, you bet. Starting on Monday, it is the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, the final tournament of the Grand Slam calendar, and joining us as we do every Grand Slam tournament, is Mark Arndt, Executive Director of Tennis Manitoba. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad, Mr. Christian. How are you? Doing well. Excited for some hardcore tennis in our time zone. In our time zone, yeah, that'll be nice for the old uh, the body uh, uh, and getting rest and stuff like that. So that I'm happy with. But uh, kind of, again, like I say every year, it's kind of bittersweet because you know summer's coming to an end. It's creeping on us and... Uh, yeah, but I'm excited to, to be watching the uh, watching the tennis. Well, the number one storyline in the men's game is Novak Djokovic. Will he win the calendar Grand Slam? Last time he was at this tournament, he defaulted because he hit a ball into a lineswoman's throat. 
Yeah. Uh, not on purpose, but at the same time, you got to control your emotions. Yeah. If he doesn't win this tournament, is that a massive upset? You know what? Honestly, you look, he's got 20 grand slams, and the rest of the field has four among them. And really, it's Chilich has two, and uh, I think Murray has two. So take those two guys away. So there you have it. I mean, it's uh, it's his to lose again. I mean, uh, yeah, he, he somehow he self-imposed at the U.S. Open. I'm not sure why, like what happens each time. Like, And that's the only way I see him losing is just if he beats himself one way or another. But I, I think... Hopefully, or I mean, for his sake, I guess, if he uh, he learns from his mistakes, previous mistakes, uh, he'll have 21 and he'll be ahead of uh, Roger and Rafa for good. I don't think those two will be catching him. No, it is three for Murray and one for Chilich, just to, to get okay. the numbers there right there. And the uh, reality is, yeah, to get the 21st, to get the lead, to get the ground, calendar Grand Slam for the first time in the men's game since Rod Laver in the late 60s, yeah. It would just yeah. be an immense achievement, and for all the people that don't like Djokovic, and we saw him kind of self-combust at the Olympics as well, he's, he gives you reasons not to like him. The statistics yeah. will always be his argument, and they're going to be better than anybody else in the men's game. Well, yeah, and you know what? When you look at it head-to-head, I believe he's got winning records against, I know, against Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. He does against Rafa. You're he the does, yeah. Guy, and he does as well, yeah. So there you go. So how do you argue that? I mean, he beats them, his rivals, in his time. And uh, then he's got the most slams. So then he would definitely, uh, you know, I have my opinions about him, just his behavior. It's just not my favorite actions uh, when I watch him and, and all that. But, um, you know, he, how can you argue? I mean, the numbers are there. The numbers don't lie. And, yeah, he would be, if he gets 21, he, and he will. It's, it's inevitable. He's so fit. He's 34 now, I believe. And, and I can't see him. He's got the body type. He's so resilient. He can probably play to 40 uh, if he wants to mentally. That, that's, again, that's what would stop him. But uh, he, he's going to wind up, I think, 25, maybe 24 slams when it's all said and done. And as mentioned, Federer isn't there. Nadal isn't there. Not that they were going to win anyway, but they're not participating. Dominic Team, the defending champion, has been out for most of the year with a wrist injury. So yeah. looking at the field, who would you say would be the, the best opportunity to get in his way, Berrettini, Sitsipas, and Medvedev have lost to him in Grand Slam finals this year. Who do you think would be the best chance to disrupt him? I, again, I, I don't. I get best of five. If it's if it's best of three, you can sneak up on him and catch him on an off day and and do it quickly and and get him off the court quickly. But here, when it's best of five, it could go five hours, and all the players know that that locker room power that he has, that locker room intimidation they know this guy can go five six hours he's proven he can go five or six hours if needed and i don't know if anybody can rival that i mean sitsi pass i mean there's a guy i mean he's taken him right to the brink but still that 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 hurdle that mental hurdle is the thing that i don't know if any of these youngsters have to to take him over and i i can't really i'm looking at the draw now and i just really zverev maybe you know because zverev's got him in tokyo so maybe there's some sort of mental advantage right there but is zverev fit enough to, to do it over five sets five hours four hours whatever it takes i don't know do, do you, i i can't see it honestly christian i can't see it like how about yourself i mean what, what's your take do you think he he can no, no. I, no. I mean yeah, we're at we're still at that point in time well now now that Federer and Nadal are past it this is what we always had with Serena for so many years you expect her to win every match she plays and when she loses it's a surprise and that's where we're at with Djokovic still here at the end of the year 2021 and 
it i mean someday these next the next gen is gonna is gonna beat down the door or will they will it just take Djokovic retiring for someone else to win a major right the only reason he didn't win the u.s open last year is because he defaulted himself and we end up having team over zverev in the in a really weird final when no one was in attendance an important note there will be fans at the u.s open this year they got to be vaccinated to get in but it'll be a lot nicer because a night court match at the u.s open is a lot of fun (laughs) let's talk about the canadians now in the men's then we'll get to the women's dennis shapovalov is seated seventh in the top half of the draw he would face zverev in the quarters and djokovic in the semis if chalk holds yeah and then felix oje aliasim is 12th he would face the fifth seed andre rublev in round four chapeau has had some pretty decent showings at the u.s open in the past he's had his run ended by karenia busta and matches chapeau probably should have won a couple times but what do you think for those two and the way they've been playing this summer felix has been the better player of late yeah, and, and that's the one. If I pin my hopes on a Canadian, Felix would be the one on on both sides, the men and the women. Uh, Felix is is the one. Chapeau. I I don't know. It's just too up and down, too too skittish for me. I I don't know what his mood is going into it. And and you know, before he even gets to the quarters, he's got Kachanov, which is uh, I think he'd be like third round or something like that. That that's would right. be a tough match to get through. So. I mean, that's tough. And, and again, I, I just can't, I don't feel confident in, in where he's at mentally. And yeah, definitely he has the game, the skill set, I guess, to do it. But to, to, to get over that hump, as we saw at Wimbledon, it, it's, he was close. He was very close at Wimbledon. He was, he was knocking on the door. But in the end, did the, did the uh, I guess, the event get to him, right? The stage gets him at that point. And so that's why I'm not sure until they do it until they overcome even this next gen, which is should be now called present gen because next like they're here right now, they're getting old, they're getting 24, 25. So this is their time. But um, I, I don't shuffle. I don't know. Felix. Yeah. I like that again. You know, he, I think he has the game to beat Rublev, but Rublev is hot too. He just played well in Cincinnati and uh, uh, Ben Medvedev, of course, that guy, he's uh, that's, that's, uh, that's an interesting character as well. <laughs> he wanted to, to sue Cincinnati because he ran into uh, into the cameras, I guess, behind the, the court that he was playing on all week, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm going to sue, the, <laughs> sue the, um, the tournament because the camera's there. So that's an interesting character in his own right, but he's the villain of New York, which is nice. People come out to watch, and, and he'll be interesting. So maybe, you know, you know, when you ask the question about Djokovic, maybe Medvedev's got that, uh, maybe he's the one that, that might somehow get into the mind of, of, of a guy like Djokovic. I don't know. Medvedev is the two seed out of this tournament, and yeah. just the way the draws worked out, Chapovalov would face Karenia Busta in round four if they both get to that point. Patrick uh, yeah. still is in it as well, just to give him a mention. He's facing the 28th yeah. seed Fabio Fanini in round yeah. one. Let's go to the women's side, start with Bianca Andreescu. The last time she played in this tournament, she won it in yeah. 2019. Didn't really, I don't think she played at all in 2020, and has had a really scratchy 2021, a lot of injuries. She made it to the final of the Miami Open, and Hasn't really done anything since. Got a toe injury in Montreal, and that's been hampering her, too. She's almost always hurt, Mark, and that's going to probably be the story of her career. She is seated sixth in this tournament. What do you think of her chances? Hasn't, hasn't it been a bizarre ride with her? Like, it's, it's just been strange. I mean, uh, with all the injuries and, the, and with COVID, I, I just, it's hard. Like, she can't get in, in. There's no momentum in her game. There's no, she can't get on that. Yeah, like I said, she can't get in that that zone. I guess it's it's as soon as she starts um, snowballing and getting better, 
something happens, uh, an injury happens, and that derails her, and that just seems to be the story. And I, I'm not sure why. Like, to try to figure it out, is it her fitness? Is it her, her? I don't know, her food intake, her sleep habits? Who knows? But, I mean, it's just such a pity because, I mean, there you have a talent. She obviously demonstrated she can win win any tournament in the world and on any stage, on the biggest stage in New York, right in the uh, the eye of the tiger or in the eye of the hurricane, I guess. And uh, she did it against Serena, and she can do it again if she's, if her mind is right. Yeah, I don't know what her fitness level is right now. I, I just I haven't seen many reports on that. So, of, of course, we want her to win. For You saw what it did for Canadian tennis and how it did for marketing. Our sport made my job easier, but... I can't, uh, no, I I wouldn't be surprised if she loses first round. I wouldn't be surprised if she, if she wins the whole thing. That's kind of the, even 2019 though, Mark, was when we were watching her. Every match was a roller coaster. There was never yeah. like, oh, that's a 6-3, 6-1 win, like we see Osaka do to so many opponents. It was always a roller coaster, but she would just find ways to win. And when she's not healthy, and I've, I've seen reports that she feels her toe is fine. Um, maybe she's just saying that, but perhaps not. We'll see. I'm obviously going to be rooting hard for her because she's a Canadian. She faces the uh, Swiss player who did well at Wimbledon, Victoria Golovic, in the first round. Could face Petra Kvitova in round four. Uh, Could face Karolina Pliskova in the quarterfinals and Ash Barty, the top seed, in the semifinals. It's going to be a – I mean, women's tennis, it never goes chalk, so maybe we shouldn't expect that. But looking at the the favorites, Barty is the first seed. She won Wimbledon. Naomi Osaka is back. She is the three seed. She won it last year. Who would you put as a favorite? So often I ask you this question, and it's always who knows, but do we actually have a favorite now? Same same answer as as last time, stamp and repeat. And, uh, yeah, 15 of them can win. I mean, uh, again, Barty, I think this time, Barty, she is legitimately, I I will say for the first time in in a couple of years, like here's a person, if I'm a betting man, I would go Barty. But then she has Sakari in her... uh, uh, in her uh, top half as well, so that's a tough one. And uh, there are a couple of sleepers like Raducanu from Emma Raducanu from uh, Great Britain. She's been playing really well. Jill Teichman, a lefty as well. Sloan Stevens, keep going. Halep uh, is, is she's playing uh, Camila Georgie, who won our, our uh, National Bank Open. Uh, she, she, that's an interesting first round match. So Sabalenka, number two seed picker maybe i don't know but um if i had to if you forced me to go pick someone i would probably go barty right now ashley barty from yeah for sure i'd I'd go with her how important is it for the women's game that naomi osaka is back that naomi osaka is in a better mental state after taking a couple months off really and then going to tokyo and and not winning that tournament but seems like she's in a better mental state and somebody that's been maybe the best tennis player on the planet the last few years yeah, for the person, for her first and foremost, yeah, I hope she's in a good place, and uh, uh, that's important. And but again, like we say, the diversity in in the uh, in the women's field. I mean, it, it's great to have so many different players from different countries that have a shot at winning any tournament. So whether Osaka's there or not, just like Williams. I mean, we didn't even talk about Serena really, but I mean, it's such a diverse field on the women's side that. You know, if she's there, great. If she's not, you know, also there's many other budding superstars and established players that are there that are awesome to watch as well and, and great motivators for, for, you know, females playing and, and girls watching and all that. And, and so I think it's fantastic. Uh, the, the sport is really healthy and healthy here in Manitoba, I know. And, and uh, 
yeah, talking about women's tennis, men's tennis, it, it, it's really a, pro, you know, a pleasure to do that. And Leila Annie Fernandez is playing a qualifier in round one, could face Osaka yeah. in round three. And we'll leave on this note, uh, Rebecca Marino, Canadian qualifier, she makes the tournament, wins in qualifying, beats Crete Minna in three sets today. It's her first appearance in New York in 10 years. Yeah. Her, we don't have enough time to really get into the weeds of her journey, but the reality is this is somebody that was out of tennis for a few years, battled a bunch of injuries, and she's now back playing maybe the best tennis of her life. You know what's awesome about that story is that when she came back, she played uh, the Winnipeg Challenger here, and uh, she won the tournament, and that was her first real big step. And I just remember talking to her afterwards, and and such an amazing person, number one. Let's just, I'm so happy for her and getting to know her while she was here that week. But, yeah, that's that's the awesome part, just watching her, and you feel like she's one of your own and, and going through that journey with her. And, and it's like a second career is just, just starting. She paused for a little while, now she's back and better than before, and it's just fantastic to watch. Well, as always, Mark, appreciate your time and your insight coming on the show tonight, and we'll, uh, we'll enjoy the tennis coming up. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the